When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, family? Welcome to Speak. I told you all when you last saw me we would have some breaking news for you on this show, and we do. Saquon Barkley did not get long-term money from the New York Giants. Now, you might think it's all good. He's still got $10 million. He's good with it. Well, he is not good with it. He took to Twitter, and he simply said, y'all know that's how we communicate this day and age. He simply said, it is what it is. Is. Saquon wanted a long-term commitment from the Giants. Giants only wanted to pay him $10 million. So now Saquon and the Giants are at an impasse. What should the superstar running back do? This is a two-time Pro Bowler, a player that has had over 2,000 yards in one single season. That is unheard of, but we have to discuss it here with the two Distinguished gentlemen. Oh. Distinguished. Slick, Rick the Buker, how you feeling, man? At least one of us is dressed distinguished. <laughs> yeah, me. LA, <laughs> me. <laughs> LA Heat getting to you? Listen, man. What's up? I knew y'all gonna come suited and booted. That's the problem. I come on this show and I get dressed up and y'all dress up super oh, nice. You, you came I dressed was, up. I was, what's this? I was what, talking what's smack. This? Oh, yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was, uh. Oh, well, this is Rick Buecher. This is Will Blackman, who actually won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants, donning the Super Bowl ring, as you will see on that index finger. So glad to have you here, Will. Nobody better to talk about this Saquon Barkley situation than a player who played on the team that he is currently at odds with and who won a Super Bowl with the team that Saquon wants to win a Super Bowl with. Should Saquon Barkley sit out this season? Uh, absolutely not. He shouldn't sit out, and I don't think he will sit out uh, simply because just the type of person, the competitor he is. And I, I understand that it's it's tough right now because he is trying to get a certain number. But he, I would say, he was offered you know multiple contracts earlier this year. He was offered you know thirteen or four with the first two years guaranteed. But when it comes down to this whole thing, it's truly about who can who can get this contract done. It's not so much yes, the, I mean, the running back position has been depreciated for decades yep. like it's not so much like oh it's hard for running backs to get paid it's always been difficult to get paid it's a matter of which agent can make it happen mm. that's truly but he switched agencies in the middle of negotiation and from what i was to my told, point yeah yes from yeah. what i was told they were like look i don't care who your representation is this is our offer you can be represented by mm. john slick will or acho we ain't budget but that do- but it still matters who is representing because who's able to make it happen it's kind of like let's use this analogy like at the club is a pretty girl in the club which guy can actually negotiate to get her out right mm-hmm. it's in this situation that's probably why he switched from his hitch because maybe someone else is able to make that happen that's been a problem they across the board said yeah. they were able to make it happen well they got to start somewhere okay but if you have deals on the table ultimately with more guaranteed money than you wind up i mean if i change agents because i don't like what's already on the table and then i end up with the 
I don't know if it's a 10 million as a booby prize, but it certainly wasn't what I was after. It was the last element. Yeah. Then I don't know that I don't know how you could say that changing agents was a successful move. Do you think, given the lack of success, because Saquon wanted that long-term deal, should he slick sit out this season? This is his last major uh, weapon uh, weapon that he can use, grenade that he can launch, so to speak, is sitting out the season, showing the Giants who they are without him. Should he consider doing it? I, I don't see how that serves him. Uh, would the Giants be compromised without him? Without question, right? They're not the same team. But does it gain him any leverage by sitting out the entire year? First of all, you're not playing football for an entire year, right? right? You're, you are losing $10 million that could be going into your bank. True. Are you going to make that back up over the course of your career? I take, I take encouragement from the tweet. It is what it is. Really? Yes. Because it ain't Chris Paul going, you the coach? <laughs> it's, it's, not, it, it's not an automatic, I'm out, or I'm not happy. It's like we tried. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's sort of resignation for the where, thing, where things are. Now, I would hope that at some point, um, emotionally, psychologically, mentally, he gets to a place where he says, you know what, let's just go get it. Sure. Right? Sure. He's not there now, obviously. But he's not as far, far away as I thought he could be. But here's the dilemma, Will. You played, I believe, 12 years in the National Football League. You know how valuable a mood is when one shows up to practice, one. Mm. Number two, you also know how valuable showing up to practice is. I saw a report as I was walking on stage that Saquon allegedly will report to camp. It's a matter of when. Mm -hmm. Will, if you miss training camp practices... You can't get in football shape because the only way to get in football shape is to play football. No question. So I don't know if Saquon Barkley can afford to have an it-is-what-it-is mindset. Not when the Jets are reporting to practice next week and they hungry. They chomping at the bit. Hall of Fame game is on the docket. Not when you have NFL players who are like, let's get it going. I can't wait for the season. And then you have Saquon. It is what it is. What aspect do you mm. think that if Saquon is going to commit to the season, he needs to be there day one? What aspect needs to happen? Yes. Do you believe that is the case or he can kind of miss camp, be very nonchalant? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, sure, you, you can look at it as, like you said, a, a positive thing in terms of his tweet or, like you said, I, I, you want a different mood. Or he couldn't have said anything at all. Mm -hmm. Like, there was, I thought there was no reason to put anything out on Twitter-wise. But I think he's going to show up. You know, he's going to probably do something condition. Maybe he doesn't practice. I'm sure he's going to, but he's going to be there. And again, that's just because of, of who he is. And plus, too, like he's part of like the culture, the, like the Giants are trending upward in terms of what they're building over there. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think he said it is what it is because they're, they're, they tried to get something done sooner. And it just didn't happen. This is where the character of Saquon Barkley works against him because he is a guy who is going to show up, who's going to play hard. The idea, I just, I don't see any way in which Saquon Barkley half steps in his, in his preparation for the season because ultimately it's what he wants to accomplish. I, I just don't see him undermining both the team and himself to make a point about what? That you didn't get what you wanted? I, I, look, I don't know him personally. The impression that I get of him is that he's an extremely... Um, intelligent, mature young man. Of course. Right? And is dedicated to his craft. Yeah. You may not get what you want, but it's really hard when you take pride in your work to say, I am going to 
work less efficiently or effectively in order to let everybody know that I'm unhappy. Well, speaking of someone who takes pride in their work, DeAndre Hopkins, you will be hard-pressed to find a receiver who takes more pride in their work than him. Superstar, I believe future Hall of Famer. And over the weekend, we found out in a breaking news fashion that he will be joining the Tennessee Titans this year. The DeAndre Hopkins week stakes were large and everybody was watching. And the Titans are the lucky suitors for the five-time Pro Bowler. Well, I was thinking to myself, he made the right decision joining the Titans. Now, not because the Titans were the best team he could have joined. Right. If you wanted to join the best team, join the Chiefs, join the Bills. If you wanted to join the best team, maybe even consider joining the Baltimore Ravens. But if you want to maintain relevancy as a superstar wide receiver, mm. join a team that needs you most. And the Tennessee Titans are the team that needs DeAndre Hopkins most. Their leading receiver last year, I believe, was Robert Woods with just north of 500 yards receiving. And then a tight end, and then their first round pick, their one was pick last year in Traylon Burks, I believe his name yep, is, Burks. wide receiver out of Arkansas, if I am not mistaken. And so D-Hop will go to Tennessee, and there will be no discretion over who the number one player is. You go to Buffalo, Stephon Diggs. You go to KC, Travis Kelsey. But in Tennessee, it's all you, D-Hop. Well, what do you make of D-Hop joining the Titans? Was it the right decision? Yeah, I, I think it was a, a really good decision. It was the right decision just for him because I think for him it is based on comfort. And I say this because, yes, he was in Houston, and – we all know how it went down in Houston. And then he goes to Arizona. There's a lot of disarray in the front office of Arizona and just overall with the whole team. And so I think he wanted to go somewhere where he was comfortable. Obviously, he knows Vrabel from being in Houston. There's a new general manager there who has fresh eyes, and he is one of his signings. So the GM's not going to go anywhere. Yep. And also, too, you know, right, not only am I going to be the dude, but every week, teams are going to load the box to stop a running back, and yeah. I'm going to have opportunity. Now, obviously, the glaring thing is, like, well, who's throwing me the football? That part. Hmm. With D-Hop, the cool thing is it really doesn't matter who's throwing him the football. But I think overall, he, for him, I'm saying for him, he's that talented. For him. Rick, I don't like the head thing. Anyhow, <laughs> I just think for him, overall, he just wants to be somewhere where he can trust people around him and he's comfortable. And I think that's what he made the decision. I'm with you 100% that he made the right decision. I mean, look, he got paid. I don't know that he would get any, he's not getting $26 right. million for two years anyplace else, right? And, uh, and he does, he's, he's automatically the wide receiver one. But I don't know if he's still a wide receiver one. And I don't know if Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback to get it to him. Like, I think when, when we first saw Tannehill rise up in Tennessee, we were thinking that maybe he made A.J. Brown. And now I would, I'm wondering whether A.J. Brown made Tannehill because that was when he was at his best, right? We saw Julio Jones go in there. Did he, like, have a huge impact? Did Tannehill have a huge impact on Julio Jones? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. So I just, I think it was the right decision because he gets the most money and he's, he's not just... The Bills and the Chiefs, to me, were interested. Yep. The Titans and the, and the Patriots wanted him. Yeah. Right. And now he goes to the better of the two teams that wanted him, and he gets paid. That's why it's a great decision. Right. Do I think that he's going to have a better – that he's going to be on, have more success in Tennessee than he would have in Kansas City or Buffalo? Team maybe, success. Maybe individually, but yeah. not team success. Correct, correct. Right? I think that is what's so interesting about the situation, fellas, is because when you turn 30 at a skilled position in the National Football League and you're a free agent, you have a decision to make. 
Do I want to go win a championship or do I want to go individually ball? We've seen two players do it differently. I think about Brandon Marshall. When he turned 30, he had an opportunity to join the New York Jets. The New York Jets were terrible. But B. Marsh went to New York and had 1,500 receiving yards. I think about D. Jack, a former teammate of mine, Deshaun Jackson. When he became a free agent trying to figure out where he wanted to go, he signed with the Bucks, the pre-Tom Brady Bucks. But he led the NFL in receiving yards per catch. Like, D. Jack still ended up being a dude. When he went to the Rams, mm-hmm. and they didn't need him, Will, all of a sudden, he was an afterthought. He wasn't even playing in games, not even getting targeted. And then he forwent winning a Super Bowl with the Rams and said, you know what, let me just go to Vegas. Let me go to Raiders where at least I'm going to get some touches. DeAndre Hopkins is making the best decision for his brand. Not his team's success, but his brand. Well, that's what I'm curious from the both of you is, do you think that DeAndre needs another great individual season? Or do you think if he was part of like OBJ going to the Rams. If you're part, maybe not wide receiver one, but you're part of a team that goes to the Super Bowl or goes certainly farther than D-Hop ever has in the postseason, that that would do more for his brand or his image than simply going and having, like proving once again to doubters like me, no, 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 I am a wide receiver one, but he's not like, it's maybe one and out when you get to the postseason. Well, again, I think it just it came down to the two teams. So I can understand where, okay, Buffalo was interested and Kansas City was interested. But me, I'm just looking at the two teams. So it was better. The Patriots and Tennessee. Patriots You're and not Tennessee. thinking but, that but, those were serious. But assume, but assume to six questions. There was some, because I do believe there was interest from the Chiefs and from the Bills. Is D-Hop better off going to a team that you know will go further in the playoffs more than likely but not having as much individual success, playing maybe receiver two to Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey, or going to Tennessee, right. having another 1,000-yard season, but maybe you win the AFC South or maybe you don't even make the playoffs. What's yeah. better for D-Hop? It probably came down to what he wanted the most, and he probably wanted to get paid in this situation. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, guys who are looking for that situation, they are going to take less and go to a team like me. If, I, if I'm a free agent and I have interest from Kansas City, I'm, I'm in Kansas City. Yeah. Well, you want me to take like five less? No, no problem for me. I made money. Mm-hmm. So now let me come to this team and get the ring on my resume at the, at the age of 30. And then after that, let me go ahead and go somewhere else and get paid again. And then I can just play my career and pad my stats. Really, really well said. Well, I was shocked when I heard what Joel Embiid said recently, saying that he wants to win a championship, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in Philly. Mm. Groundbreaking quote from Aaron Bede. A lot to cover when we return on Speak. Remember to check us out every day on the Fox Sports Channel on Sirius XM. Greetings, soccer fans. Are you ready for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup? Because we are. That's right. Australia and New Zealand, look out. State of the Union is coming. Off the post and We'll be going above and beyond down under. We'll have new podcast episodes every single match day. So follow Alexi Lawless's State of the Union on the Fox app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, family? Wait, that was before the camera's sick. What's up, what's up, what's up? Let me get my rock. Let me get my rock. It's time for Shoot Around. It's time for NBA Shoot Around. This is where we talk about all the interesting topics, all of the urgent topics in the National Basketball No Look Association. Now, first and foremost, Joel Embiid shocked me when he made this quote. I'm going to let y'all read it as I read it along with you. Joel Embiid said, 
I just want to win a championship, whatever it takes. I don't know where that's going to be, whether that's in Philly mm. or anywhere <laughs> else. Slick, are you okay with Joel Embiid's comments? I am not at all. First of all, we both know Philadelphia. We know Philadelphia fans. You don't have one foot in, one foot out when it comes to the 76ers. And secondly, this is suggesting that you have to go someplace to win a championship. Like, you're part of the reason why you haven't got close enough to this point. They That's keep... what I wanted to say. Yeah. Like, don't you believe that Joel Embiid is, in fact, the reason that many would say you haven't already won a championship? The championship will go where you go, Embiid, in at, theory. At least part of that. And it's not as if they haven't kept moving pieces around, trying to rebuild. It's not as if they haven't spent money. If you are, this is the problem that I have ultimately with uh, with Joel is that he doesn't always take into account that you are the best player on this team. You are the MVP. Your words resonate. You can't just be thinking off the top of your head. You have to understand the message that you're sending to the fans and the rest of the team. Yeah. Like, what's the if James Harden is questioning whether he should stay or go, and he finds out you're questioning whether you should stay or go. That's not how you develop what a championship What else does Joel Embiid need? America, I'm confused, and he will help answer this for me. He had a true point in Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was literally a pass-first player because yep. he refused to even look at the rim. Yep. He's had a superstar teammate now in James Harden. You got guys that are dedicated to defense in P.J. Tucker. You got young rising stars in Maxi. You've yep. got guys who you know you can trust as a number three or a number four in Tobias Harris. Yep. What else does he need? He had a championship coach. I don't know what else. This is the truth he needs to grow up he needs to mature wow. he needs to understand that i am the piece and we're going to build it here and i'm going to fashion myself i am going to construct myself so that i can be the best player on a championship team you don't do that by going out and saying well i want to win a championship in fact he even went to say like he's already thinking about the next one dude Get the first yeah, one really and good say, point. I can bring it here really good point. if we put it together. Well, speaking of getting the first championship in Phoenix, reports say that Bradley Beal, who has partnered up with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the new look Phoenix Suns, he's going to run point. Bradley Beal, a player who was 26th in the National Basketball Association last year in assists per game. Bradley Beal, a player who I believe 5.5 assists is his highest number. Bradley Beal, a player with two 30-point seasons in the last four years only yep. four players have that kind of aggregate scoring and you're telling me he wants to be a pass first guy yeah. I don't understand I don't understand this at all I'll be honest with you I don't because he's always played with a true point guard John Wall Russell Westbrook for the most part we've seen Devin Booker have to take this role and in fact you could make the case that they won the two games uh, against the Nuggets with him running the show and Chris Paul off. He has been building toward this, and it's Devin Booker's team. Like, why are we bringing the guy in from the outside and we're saying we're going to give you the rock and you're going to organize everything? Especially when he's never played with two scorers of the like of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. I, I, I wish I could tell you I understand what the thinking is, but I really don't. Is the only logic, the only logic that of those three superstar scores, Beal, Booker, and Durant, that you would rather have Durant and Booker taking the majority of the shots? So if Beal's running point, at least that means Book and Durant will be the primary shooters. But if Book's running point, that means Beal and Durant would be the primary shooters. Is that the only logic? 
I, I suppose if you're going to make an argument, you could make that. But what we saw with Devin when he was the point guard, when Chris Paul was injured, he was pushing the pace in order to get his shots and still be able to distribute. So again, Devin Booker is far, uh, farther down the line of understanding how do I get Kevin Durant involved? How do I feed DeAndre Ayton? How do I keep everybody happy? Bradley Beal, it's going to be a learning process from the start. Well, the next topic is chaos, pure and absolute chaos. What is going on with Dame Lillard? We went through a whole weekend where we know the superstar trailblazer yes. wants to be traded, and he wants to go to the Miami Heat. That's the only place he wants to go, but it's been all quiet in the trailblazer front. What's going on there? Have you been waiting for this to happen so that you can go on vacation? <laughs> I would say, my friend, go ahead, go on vacation. Okay? Because there's no urgency right now. The terms have basically been set. The parameters have been established in terms of what it's going to take. Talk to people around the league. Nobody else is coming in trying to take Damian Lillard. They know he wants to go to Miami. They're not going to make a better offer than the Miami Heat have. The key is going to be finding a first-round pick or a home for Tyler Hero because the Portland Trail Blazers are already loaded up with athletic scorers in the backcourt. They don't have a need for him. I expect that Miami will get it done. It just not may be, it may not be on our timeline. If you need some time off, go ahead and take it. We'll get it done when you get back. Let's have the dialogue that I don't think people are nuanced enough to have on television, and here it is. Dame might be too kind, too mm. nice to do what it takes to get what he wants. Mm. You reference Saquon Barkley. We'll talk more about him later. Superstar player who also hasn't gotten what he wants in football. Yeah. But Dame, I don't think, has enough selfishness in him to sit out if the Blazers season were to start, to sit out when Blazers camp starts, to sit out and say, you know what, I refuse to play for Portland. Remember, thus far, yeah. he only requested a trade. Right. He didn't demand right. a trade. Right. He requested a trade. Does Dame have the selfishness it takes to get what he wants? It's a great question, and honestly, I don't think that he does. I think that he would show up for work. But the Portland Trail Blazers have too much at stake to play that kind of chicken with a guy that means as much as Damian Lillard has to the Portland Trail Blazers and their fan base. Uh, people I know up in Portland, they're like, hey, look, Dame wants to go. He's served us well. Let's turn the page. Let's make it happen. I don't, I don't sense that there is a groundswell in Portland okay. of people who are saying, Damian is doing us wrong. You're under contract. Show up and play. Okay, I got one more for you. This was the most fascinating thing I saw all weekend because I always read into things like this. Kyrie Irving, you know he got handles, but I was surprised yeah. to see LeBron James share on his own Instagram story to over 130 million followers that Kyrie is, in fact, the best player with the ball in his hands we've ever seen. LeBron James going to share it and say, ever. What do you make of that? Just friends supporting friends, or should we read into it? Uh, well, I mean, I could read into it and tell you that's another jab at the Steph, at Steph Curry and that little rivalry that's going on there. But no, uh, look, I would agree with him in terms of handle and be able to move with the ball. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Irving, I don't have a problem putting him at the top of that list. When you say this is the best player with the ball in his hands, it's not just what you can do with it while you have it. But what can you do when you're handing it off to somebody else? Are, that's the shortcoming. Are we better off having not seen 
<laughs> a sequel to LeBron and Kyrie. So often we beg for Ooh. sequels in society. I want this movie to come yes. out with a sequel. Yes. I want this movie to come out with a trilogy. But yeah. the sequel always lands flat. The last time we really saw LeBron and Kyrie, it was championship caliber. Sure. You come back from down 3-1. 17, you see what LeBron goes on to do when Kyrie and LeBron inevitably part ways. Is it best oh. that we don't have a fall flat memory without, of the two? Without question, because what made that combo work then was that LeBron James could be that guy that I was just talking about, not just handling it, but what he did when he distributed it. That kept Kyrie in that perfect sweet spot. LeBron is still capable of being a very effective, powerful player, but he's not that anymore. Let me get this joint out of my hands. You see that pass? Oh, that he nice. scored that bucket off camera. Coming up, back to Saquon Barkley. He didn't get the long-term deal he wanted, but I'm going to use a little bit of tape to break down who needs who more. Do the Giants need Saquon, or does Saquon need the Giants? Slick, phenomenal job. Y'all don't go anywhere. We're having fun out here on Speak. Hey, college football fans, Joel Klatt here, and I am so happy to announce my new interview series, The Joel Klatt Show Big Noon Conversations. Every Monday, we will bring you a candid conversation with the most influential voices in college football. From Colorado's Coach Prime to Coach Saban down in Tuscaloosa, we sit down and discuss all things college football. Download The Joel Klatt Show Big Noon Conversations wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to the new Joel Clatcho YouTube channel. What's up, family? Moving to the biggest story in all of sports today, Saquon Barkley, superstar running back for the New York Giants. He has to play on the franchise tag. He desperately wanted a long-term deal in New York, but they refused to commit. Giants, Saquon, they're at an impasse. But the real question is who in the world needs who more? I'm going to pose this to you, but in order to do so, I want to help educate you a little bit further. I believe Brian Dable, the head coach, and Saquon Barkley have a mutually beneficial relationship, and I will show you here. What's so fascinating? Fascinating about this play when the Giants play the Packers. Very simply put, this up top, the arrow at the individual being pointed, the last man on the line of scrimmage, should be a tackle. He's two people left of the center, but he is in fact a tight end. What that means is that the New York Giants are in tackle over. They have an extra tackle where the tight end is supposed to be. Now you're saying, Acho, why the heck is that a big deal? Because you can see defensively, they're trying to get lined up. They're trying to get lined up. They're a little bit confused by the picture. Well, because they get lined up a little bit too late, you see Rashawn Gary top of the screen gets lined up a little bit too late. The Giants have blockers where they want them. Now here is what's so fascinating. Brian Dable did his part. He put Saquon in a position to succeed. But Saquon, he does what I believe only maybe two other running backs could do, splitting this crease. Brian Dable, the head coach, he dials it up. He confused the defense. But Saquon Barkley, he inevitably executed. You'll see it one more time from a different picture. Remember, this is in fact a wide receiver cracking down. That was a tight end that was lined up in the offensive tackle position. So the defense is all out of whack. Offense, they are in prime blocking positions. They have built a wall. Quite literally, they have built a wall. Saquon Barkley just has to turn that corner. So Brian Dable does the scheme. Saquon Barkley does the execution. And because of this beautiful, beautiful partnership, they have one of the top rushing attacks in football. Dayball needs Saquon. Saquon needs Dayball. But who in the world needs who more? We head to the desk for that question. Now, Will, you played 12 years in the National Football League. You understand the beauty of coach-player partnerships. So you get this question better than most. 
Who needs who more? The Saquon. Oh, you want back to your running back day? No, I, I like how it was. Saquon, shifty. Yeah. The shifty is, but Dave all be mixing it up. That's what who I'm saying. Who needs who more? I, I believe, I mean, it's, that's such a tough question, but I believe Saquon needs the Giants more because that is the best place suited for him and his skill set. As you mentioned, Brian Dabal, he's a unbelievable coach ability. He's an unbelievable play call. You saw what he did in Buffalo and what happened when he left in terms of mm. like the disarray for key moments in Buffalo. Like they're missing that for Coach Dayball. So I believe in this situation, Saquon definitely needs them more for all of those things. Um, and plus, too, like he's when you, when you think of New York, you think of him. And that's where he built his name. So I think just him being put there, him being there with the organization that is actually trending upward, that is actually getting better, that is having belief. After the first game last year, I was sold on the culture. People were like, oh, you, it's too early, it's too early. I'm like, I saw enough. When he hugged Sterling Shepard and he hugged Saquon on the sideline and then they went and won that game, uh, I think it was week one or week two, like I was sold. So he, this is the best place for him. So that's why I think he needs them more. A best place, but that's not the question. Who needs whom more, right? Best and, place is why. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm changing up from what I said I thought earlier. Oh, now you're going gonna to change up. You're going to change up on us on live. How are you going to challenge up live right here on TV? Are you going to challenge my answer and then say, I'm going to change mine? No, I'm because I'm, I, 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 I was with you. That's why you call him Slick. That's why you call him Slick. Yeah. One of many. You see everybody. I was with you. I was with you when I thought about it. I was like, but I was thinking of it more from a business standpoint. Like, what else can Saquon do but be with the Giants? But if we're talking about schematically what he's capable of doing, I asked myself the question, could Saquon do what he did in New York someplace else? And the answer is yes. I give Dayball all the... Anybody who has a better offensive line than New York Giants. <laughs> like, I give Dayball credit for scheming so that they can get around that offensive line uh, shortcomings and still be able to spring him. Mm -hmm. But if I'm putting him with... Uh, any team that's got a top 15 as opposed to a 30th ranked offensive line, the idea that, that, that uh, Saquon's individual skill, if you were able to spring him, wouldn't be able to do all the things that we saw him do in that clip, I, I, it, it is. It's, there's plenty of reasons to say that Saquon and New York Giants should be a perfect marriage. But if you're asking, like, could, could, could the Giants survive without Saquon Barkley right now? I would say no. You would not, say no. Not this season, going into this season. Here's why I might say yes. And I don't know why I didn't think of this on Friday's show. Y'all know how it is. Your best thoughts come to you as soon as you as soon soon as you, as you get in the car. Yep. I thought to myself, I said, wait a second, Slick. You know who's a free agent at running back? Mm -mm. Sure, Lanier is for that. Sure, Ezekiel it is. Wait. But Dalvin Cook is. Dalvin Cook, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dalvin yeah. Cook. Y'all yeah. know yeah. four straight Pro Bowl <laughs> Dalvin Cook? Y'all know four straight thousand-yard seasons yeah. Dalvin Cook? Yeah. Dalvin Cook, who has more rushing yards over the last four years, who has more total touchdowns over the last four years. And mm. since Saquon was in the league, Dalvin Cook has had a better career than Saquon Barkley, mm. and he a free agent. You don't think Dalvin Cook would gladly pay for ten, play for $10 million? Gladly? Now, I believe it is peak power. Saquon Barkley is more talented than Dalvin Cook at Dalvin's peak powers. But Dalvin is present and available for consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, and you could probably get him for maybe $6.57 million. Come on now. Come on now. This is what I don't know, though. This is what I don't know. 
Can Dalvin Cook be the same guy in the locker room that Saquon Barkley? It's a great question. Can he be the same leader? Does he bring the same intangibles to you that Saquon Barkley already has? And there is a certain familiarity. I mean, Dable's had a year to figure out, okay, this is how I can get him going in spite of whatever other shortcomings we have. And then there's the familiarity with Daniel Jones. So I hear you. It's It's a great point. It does give me pause. But I would still say... Simply because of the talent right now, Saquon Barkley is capable of doing everything he did with the New York Giants in maybe not every place, but certainly a lot of places. Yeah, I'm going to push back because Dabble is able to utilize his skill sets as they should be. The only other place, and this is before the CMC trade, I thought San Fran was going to be in the hat to try to get Saquon over there, Mm. which I think will be a dynamite elite place there, too. So, obviously, you can throw in the Rams. You can throw in uh, the Dolphins, too, with that scheme, the zone stretch scheme. I thought that would have been a place. So, that's why, again, like when players, you want to go somewhere, obviously, where you're going to get paid, but also where you're going to be able to shine and show your skill sets. And that's why I feel like staying with that ball being there, he definitely needs them more to show what he can do. So, but are we framing this in terms of getting paid and, I mean, having the role that he has with New York? Like, how many, there's a, there's a lot of intangibles. No, a it's, lot of it's, who, it's who needs this. more. It's who, who needs who more. And you're saying that, that they won't be able to survive or do well without him. Here's my issue, and if, if we can queue up, there was one more play that might serve Will's point, um, giving our producers a heads up, because, Slick, I was watching the Giants-Vikings game, and, and I'll show you all in the big board as we get the cameras ready for it. I was watching the Giants-Vikings game, and this is what really showed me that, you know what, maybe Dayball is thinking to himself, I can do this with more than just Saquon. Will, you brought up something, and it's mm. a brilliant point. Love it doing the show with you, because he, Will brought up schematics, and what Dayball can do from a schematic standpoint. Watch what Brian Dayball does pre-snap. Has nothing to do with Saquon Barkley that throws the Vikings defense in sheer and utter chaos. I'm going to do this in real time with y'all. So one, he sends a dude in motion. When you send a dude in motion, what you do is you confuse the linebackers. Look at these two linebackers in particular, Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks. So now you're a little bit confused because you saw that guy go in motion. (laughs) I'm going to show y'all one more thing. At the bottom of the screen... Watch Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks. Oh, yeah. These are the two linebackers that are actually responsible for guarding this man. And they're running into each other at the bottom of the screen. So if you're Brian Dable and you're saying to yourself, in the playoffs, I just schemed up my running back to go untouched for 30 yards to get into the end zone. If I can do that, untouched, that ain't got none of you telling me Dalvin Cook can't do this? Slick, I'm not going to say you could do this because it's going to take you a little bit of speed, going to take you a little bit of jets, but <laughs> untouched. Like that, that to me is why I believe Saquon needs the Giants more purely because, like Will alluded to it, if you are a, a brilliant offensive mind with brilliant offensive pictures, yep. you can create enough creases for somebody talented. Saquon is uber talented. Right. But if you give me somebody who has talent, then I can still make some things shake. Okay. Like, like, like Josh Allen. I think if that was Like what he did with Josh Allen. That was convenient. Everyone gave him all that nonsense, turnovers, low, below 60% completion percentage. He goes to Buffalo, and now he's one of the top quarterbacks I'm, in the league. Like, I'm not disparaging Dable and what his impact Of course, yeah, of course, not. Not, of course sure. not. I do think the clip is convenient because it did mess the linebackers up. I saw a lot of bad footwork and positioning with those linebackers that they were so confused that they're running into. I will the say, right? I will say, yes, 
the schematics will get him clean, at least to the line of scrimmage. He got to do rest. After that, it's, he got to do. But when you have a guy like that and you're able to set him up and put him in position to succeed like that, then that's where you're going to get fireworks. Because that's what's so fascinating is like a coach, you know this from watching all so much tape and hoops. Yeah. A coach can only put you in so much of a position to succeed. No doubt. Sure. And that, I think, is what Dayball does. He puts Saquon in a position to succeed for Saquon to excel, but... If you're telling me Dayball don't think he could do this with somebody else, you're lying to yourself. Otherwise, he would have given Saquon exactly what he wanted. Here's the question I have. Have we seen Saquon Barkley with a good offensive line where he can run between the tackles? Where you're not scheming for him to get wide? Have you ever seen Saquon Barkley run between the tackles? Mm -hmm. See, I I, I was talking to a former running back coach of the National Football League who always said that Saquon was a bouncing guy. You know, certain running backs like, oh, I don't want nothing to do in there. I'm just going to bounce it. Reggie Bush (laughs) talked about that that all the time. That was you. Listen, when I I got offered by Wisconsin out of high school, and I said, guys, I said, did, did you watch my tape? <laughs> I bounced everything. Correct. <laughs> Ron Dane just graduated, I think. I don't run between the tackles. That's not me. Incredibly well said. <laughs> well, let's transition to the next biggest story in the National Football League. That's the story of DeAndre Hopkins. Now, he found his new home with the Tennessee Titans. If you all recall, Tennessee Titans desperately missed A.J. Brown last year after trading him to the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the five-time Pro Bowler, likely future Hall of Fame DeAndre Hopkins, is now on the move in the AFC South. Slick, D-Hop, Titans, D-Hop, Derrick Henry. What does the signing mean for the Tennessee Titans? I don't know that it means much. I think it's great for D-Hop. Lee, Rick. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I the Mondays. I, do you guys, are you guys convinced with this, with, without a shadow of the doubt that DeAndre Hopkins is the same wide receiver that he was, what, Three years ago? How many years has it been since we've seen vintage D-Hop? But you're saying, like, it doesn't move, it does nothing? Look, it makes them better. But, so but it does in something. Terms of, but, yeah, but, but it, I would say marginally. Because I, I don't know if he is still a top-flight receiver, your number one receiver. And even if he is, what their wide receiving core was, what, ranked? 30th last year, if they I'm not mistaken. They like, not good. you can focus on D Hop. And if it's throwing him open, am I convinced that Ryan Tannehill is capable of doing that? I, it's, it's the combination of those two that makes me question does it really change the dynamic? Does it make them better? Does it give them a, a better receiver than they had previously? Without question, without question. But is he going to elevate them? to some meaningful plateau. Like, am I convinced that they're going to win the division because they got D-Hop? I I just, I'm not quite there. Here's what I am convinced of. Because the Titans have acquired D-Hop, I now believe they are capable of beating anybody. I do not think that they necessarily will anybody? anybody in the National Football League. I'm not saying they will beat anybody in the National Football League, but I look at sports like this, and I think I look at sports a little differently than most. I don't say to myself, No, who's the best team? No, I say, who's best on their worst day? Because you might just happen to have your worst day. Hmm. The reason Usain Bolt never lost in the Olympics was because even at his worst, he was still going to be better than you likely were going to be at your best. What are you capable of if you suck? And what are you capable of if you ball? Hmm. Last year without DeAndre Hopkins, the Titans couldn't beat anybody, even if they played great. 
They couldn't beat anybody, particularly when Ryan Tannehill went out. But assuming D-Hop is now present, I believe they're capable of beating anybody. With Derrick Henry there, you can be down by three to with the Chiefs with three minutes, 34 seconds left. And Ryan Tannehill can lead you on a four-minute drive. And D-Hop, you got to go win two 50-50 balls. I need you to win two of them. So with D-Hop, I believe the Titans are capable of beating anybody. Not that they will, but at least now you actually can do it. Other than the injuries, what, why was D-Hop not a game changer of that level the last couple of years in Arizona? I think a lot. A lot, yeah. A lot just just overall, just offensively, they just couldn't get on the same page with you know, Cliff and Kyler and everyone trying to figure things out over there. But I will say, like, to your point, like, how you feel about DeAndre, that, that is exactly what probably a lot of teams are thinking. And that's why exactly they're going to go into the game, playing against Tennessee, and they're going to go, you know what? we got to stop the run. So we're going to load the box. We're going to stop the run mm. and make sure, yeah, okay, if, if he's going to beat us outside, then we'll respect it. But, or maybe guys are going to respect it. It's going to benefit. But, yes, playing them, you're going to have to stop the run. What, what I think it does for – the Titans is before DeAndre Hopkins, I had, you know, Jacksonville at the top, then Indy, Tennessee, and then Houston. Okay. I think getting DeAndre Hopkins moves them above Indianapolis. Okay. Because now you have a dynamic. He is definitely still a true number one, probably still best hands in the NFL, still that guy, and still capable. So even if you – now Tannehill is going to be in a situation where he can just throw it in the vicinity, yeah. and he's going to go get it. DeAndre put it on paper. He said, look, my job is to make your job easier. If you're going to be with me, your job is going to be easier. And so that's why I still think he's a dynamic guy. And Go ahead, sorry. Well, no, this is the rub for me is that I, I feel like DeAndre, DeAndre's hands were always the difference maker for him. It wasn't like he created great separation. True. Right? And, and so – my question, after all the injuries, you've, you've tightened that window even more. You're relying on that, those hands and that 50-50 ball ability more than ever with a quarterback who doesn't necessarily create space for you with the way he throws, right? It, it's just, if, if there was a way that I thought you could get the best out of D-Hop, if you had a better quarterback or if he was at a different point in his career, then I'd say you're going to get that. I just don't – I'm not convinced that the names aren't bigger than the games. I, I don't disagree with you, but I will say outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Tennessee Titans are probably the best pace for DeAndre Hopkins if he wants to see coverage that is favorable for uh. him. Derrick Henry has had a 2,000-yard season, has had a 1,500-yard season, and I believe another 1,500-plus-yard season. Because of Derrick Henry, a safety or a corner like Will Blackman is going to be told all week, hey, you need to show up and run support. Sure. Go ahead. Well, my, but my thought is, like, if you give me Patrick Mahomes or you give me Josh Allen, like, as a quarterback, and with some of the other options and offensive options that they have, you're telling me that, that those, those places in a lesser role wouldn't have, necessar- wouldn't have potentially been better for D-Hop at this point? Not as favorable from a coverage standpoint. I got Will here so he can back me up on this. If I'm a defensive coordinator, and obviously I played linebacker, if I'm a D.C. and you're going against the Buffalo Bills, you're primarily playing with two high safeties. You're playing with your two high safeties, which means, truth be told, you can bracket either side. You can say, hey, Stephon Diggs, we want to bracket you. Hey, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we want to bracket you. If you are playing against the Tennessee Titans, you are always playing single high safety, unless it's second Mm -hmm. and eight plus 
plus, mm -hmm. or really unless it's third right. and eight plus. Second right. and eight, they still might run the ball. The run. So as a result, even if you're in Buffalo or if you're in KC, you're still going to see more two coverage or coverage that mm. resembles double team looks mm. than you will in Tennessee. It'll be near impossible to bracket DeAndre Hopkins in Tennessee because you'd have to take the safety out the middle of the field or take a linebacker and try to go one double them. Either way, D-Hop right. going to find a way to Because when you, when you play Buffalo, you're trying to stop Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. When you play Kansas City, you're trying to stop Patrick Mahomes. So there's going to be a lot of exotic, different type of things to stop them in, in general. So you're really trying to confuse the quarterback. Tennessee, it's clear. Yeah. You're trying to stop the yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So yep. there's opportunities on the outside. Okay. No doubt well. about it. Incredibly well said. Phenomenal conversation. Well, coming up, speaking of quarterbacks, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, all eyes will be on them this season. And get this, they are getting a ridiculous amount of praise from their teammates. But should we be buying it? Or are we selling it? That's next on Speak. Y'all got to hear some of these quotes. Fascinating. All right, family, the best conversation in all of sports is always a quarterback conversation. Jordan Love, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, many of them are stepping into new roles, either the role of proving yourself or the role of really erasing all doubt about the greatness you previously had. Well, get this. Their teammates are speaking on their behalf. First up, Jordan Love. He's in his first season as a Packer starter, replacing Aaron Rodgers. And his teammate, A.J. Dillon, he said he's earned the trust of the locker room. Guys respect him. Everybody would run through a wall for him. I got a question for those at the desk. Are you buying it or are you selling it? Will, you up first, buying or selling this one? Does this quote come at a discount? I got to know because I'm going to buy half of it. <laughs> I'm going to buy half of it. I, I, do, I do believe that he's earned the trust of the locker room. He's been there. They've seen him every day, how he works, how he handles himself. They love the guy. I've been in the same situations you heard before with Favre, and we moved on to Aaron Rodgers, and we felt the exact same way. Runner through the wall, I am not so sure if they're ready to do that yet. They got to see him in action on the field. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> until you show me that you can get me the ball on the, on the field when I need to get it, I, the trust in the locker room and all that stuff, all of that is really good. He hasn't had the opportunity to demonstrate on the field that they, he deserves that trust. So I, I, I trust that you're going to what? You're going to have the right coffee in the morning. But uh, <laughs> how much difference is that going to make? Uh, you're selling this one. Okay, let's get to Baker Mayfield. He's a very fascinating story. Remember, last year he started with the Browns. He got traded to the Panthers. He got traded to the Rams. Won some games with the Rams. And now... He's in Tampa with the Bucks. Well, his teammate, my close friend, Levante David, said, Baker is great for our locker room. Everybody loves him already. Will, you buying this one or you selling it? I'm swiping the card. I'm buying this one. Oh, my. I'm, what? Listen, because you know what? Baker does have the ability to lead. I think the issue in Cleveland was that they gave him the keys to the car way too soon. They literally said, LeBron left, take over Cleveland. And so he really took and ran with that. But I feel like him going through all that adversity with Carolina, you know, everyone fell in love with Baker when he had that comeback win with the Rams. And now going to Tampa Bay, he does have the ability to lead. And I can see exactly what Devontae's saying. They love Baker, I'm buying this, Rick. Sell, sell, sell. Oh, my God. Come on. Oh, cool. We love Baker. First of all, Baker is an acquired taste, okay? True. Everybody loved him when he first got to Cleveland. Loved him when he got That's to Cleveland. That's my point. They loved him in a lot of places, but how long does the love last? And again, 
I need you to be able to play. Leading doesn't work. But that's what he's talking about. not leading your receivers to touchdown. But let me ask you all this one as we stay on Baker for a moment. Because, Slick, I was thinking about this before the show. I believe that Baker Mayfield is a human form of a defibrillator. He can revive dead situations. He goes to Texas Tech. He revives that situation. Mm. He goes to the Cleveland Browns. They were 1-31. He revives that situation. He goes to the Los Angeles Rams last year when they couldn't win a game. He revives that situation. I went to Cleveland, remember? 1-31. Revived that situation. Now you go to Tampa. Tom Brady is gone. It appears to be a dead situation, and he might be able to revive it. Don't you think that Baker Mayfield is the perfect fit for a team that desperately needs a revival? Doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what Mike Evans and Chris Godwin think, and I've seen Baker Mayfield with Jarvis Landy and OBJ. Listen, Mike Evans played with who in college? Johnny Manziel. Brass energy. Very true. Very true. Maybe there will be a correlation. Okay, let's get to my favorite topic of them all. Russell Wilson. He was bad in Denver last year. 4-11 record and 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. But his teammate Justin Simmons, he said, I'm always going to put my full trust and confidence in him. Russell Wilson is my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Will, buying or selling this? You know what I love? I love we got two quotes from two Boston College guys, A.J. Dillon and Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons probably one of the most well-respected one of the most well-respected men in the whole entire league. I am buying this because now Russell has the coach that he needs. He set up. Last year was hard. He had a coach that was never a head coach before, which is difficult. Never had the locker room. New place. Went through a lot of adversity. This year he has the guy. I am buying this. Russell Wilson will be just fine. Lights out. Yes. Let's go, Rick. You better agree. Let's or else. buy that. Let's go, Rick. Absolutely. Let's, Let's go, Rick. Go. Look, I know what Russell Wilson is capable of. I can explain, uh, having looked at what happened last year, I can explain why last year went the way that it did and why it's going to be different this year. I have reason to trust that Russell Wilson is going to get back to being Russell Wilson. I am buying that because I want to see Russell Wilson ball. Well, when we return, we will have the most nuanced conversation you will see on television today. The conversation of the depreciating running back market. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing, couldn't get a deal. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, top rushers all got franchise tag. What is going on in the chaotic running back market? You have questions. We got answers next on Speed. Several big name running backs were not rewarded before today's today. Today's trade deadline, including Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Tony Pollard, he also did not get a long-term deal as he was tagged earlier this off season. Joe Mixon even took a pay cut. Well, get this. Here's Saquon Barkley's tweet. After not receiving the tag, he simply said, it is what it is. But then, in really even more shocking fashion, Jonathan Taylor, remember Jonathan Taylor led the league in rushing his sophomore year in football just a couple years back. He took to Twitter and he even said himself, what? Now that tweet we will show you all later on in the show, but long story short, it has been chaotic with running backs. Will, I'm excited to have this conversation with both of you all, but what's so fascinating, Slick, is Joe Mixon, Mm -hmm. 50 touchdowns since 2018. Mm -hmm. I believe that's 13 more than Saquon Barkley, maybe nine or eight more than Saquon Barkley. It's more than Saquon. He has more rushing yards than Saquon, more total yards than Saquon in these last several years. He had to take a pay cut. 
yep. was supposed to make roughly $10 million this year. He's going to make about five, a little more than five. Same thing with next year. He took a $4 million pay cut in each of the next two years, and he's a baller. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing America. Mm-hmm. He led the league in rushing last year over 1,600 yards, and the Raiders were only going to give him one, a one-year deal. Saquon Barkley, 2,000-yard season his rookie year. He had 1,500 more than that last year all-purpose, and the Giants were only going to give him a one-year deal. Is the demise of running backs, we're quite literally watching the NFL pendulum swing before our eyes, is the demise of running backs fair? It's too bad we don't have Joy here because she loves the word fair, (laughs) right? (laughs) Nothing is fair in life. I hope you're having a good time, Joy. It looked like you are. Yes, it's fair because it's the evolution of the sport. And when it's evolution of, of that business in every, every way, we've seen the same thing with NBA centers. Like you have to have an NBA center, but if you overpay for an NBA center, or you overvalue, it's going to cost you in other ways. In the business of journalism, beat writers, you have to have a beat writer for a team, but their value, they've been devalued now because... People can see highlights. There's a multitude of ways to get that information. So they don't have the same standing. And that's what we're seeing with with running backs. The game has become a passing game. The rules have been shifted to benefit the passing game. And winning is resulting as a result of the passing game. And so you're going to put your money ultimately where it gets you closer to winning. And running backs are an essential part of that. But they're not the essential part that they once were. But if I'm listening to that, and I'm at home, and I'm a viewer, I'm asking myself, Josh Jacobs was the only thing that got the Raiders, who benched Derek Carr, by the way, Mm -hmm. during the season, that got them close to winning. Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley, along with Daniel Jones having a much better season, Saquon Barkley is what gets the Giants closer to winning. How can you tell me that... I'm going to pay those who get me closest to winning, but those guys got me close to winning and didn't get long-term deals. Well, but how close to winning did they get them? There's a reason that Joe Mixon is looking at the Bengals and saying, hey, I want to be part of this. I understand my place in this sphere, but we're really winning. We're going to postseason. And there's, you know there's all sorts of benefits to being on a team that goes to the postseason or goes deep or has that, has that brand, that name brand recognition, uh, both locally and nationally. So... Uh, there, there is that value. And the, but the other part here is it's, they're not losing them, right? They have the ability to keep them at the price that they want. So why should I invest in you any further than this year? Because we've also, the other part is we've seen that running backs can be interchangeable. And you guys know, like at that position, you take more physical punishment, you lose just a quarter step, a half step, and you're a completely different running back. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> in terms of the fairness, it's it's hard to say what's fair, right? <laughs> you know, like if we want to be honest, everyone's underpaid based on if we look at pro sports also in general. True. So it's just not fair in general. But it's it's supply and demand. You know, it's it's what do you need at the time? Will you win to pay for it? And in terms of these runner backs, we we mentioned earlier, it's it's been like that for decades. I mean. Barry Sanders was struggling to get a contract. Eddie George went through issues trying to get a contract, trying to get paid because he is a running back. But it, it, comes, it still comes down to who is able to negotiate that contract for them, who's able to get them paid. They, they can get paid. It's just a matter of like who can make this happen. Right. So I think it still comes down to that. And then the hard thing, too, is I've seen guys have incredible 
like successful seasons and it's like man he just balled out he played so well but teams don't pay you for what you did unfortunately they pay you for what you're going to do It's, it's an investment and so that's that's what makes it really difficult, especially looking at the Josh Jacobs situation. Like he was the guy, he was the, the the heart heart and soul for that team in terms of production. And for him not to be in a situation right now to get paid, that's where I can see. Okay, in his case, it, it is not fair. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's this is what's not fair is that for in order for a running back to establish themselves as an elite running back, they have to carry a heavy load, mm-hmm. and by carrying that heavy load. It shortens your career and probably compromises your ability to do what you, to repeat that the following season. And so going on a one year by one year basis or short term basis, it allows teams to invest in you right now and you go all out trying to prove that you deserve a bigger payday coming forward. And what you do right now actually impacts your ability to do that. Going forward, well, Craig McFarland wasn't Saquon offered a four-year deal. He was offered a longer-term deal, right? Thirteen per, right. and he wanted sixteen. Yes. Now he quote tweeted that saying, "Cap." Basically, for those that do not know or are familiar with Twitter lingo, that that was a lie, you know, or that he disagreed with that. But he was that that was word on the street. My issue, though, slick is almost like I don't like that running backs are to some degree being treated as the horse with the carrot being dangled in front of them. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a long-term contract. Yeah, just yeah, keep yeah, balling. Yeah. Oh, and then they start balling. Here's a longer contract. Yeah. Just keep balling. And they get closer to it. And here's a longer contract. Just keep balling. Like, I don't like that approach. Do you all realize that in the last 10 years, we have seen four times the league's leading rusher is actually the player who is up for a contract or can be up for a contract? 2014, DeMarco Murray had 1,800 rushing yards because he was like, oh, it's contract time. Right. Derrick Henry, that first deal he was on, he had, I believe it was 1,800 rushing yards. Oh, it's contract time. Josh Jacobs, oh, it's contract time. Whenever that contract is looming, like that carrot in front of that horse, they know running backs will perform better. Mm-hmm. But then they just keep moving the mark, mm-hmm. Slick. They keep moving the mark. I think that is my biggest frustration. Yeah, no, I think that that's, I think it's fair to say that that part is unfair because I don't know that we do that with any other position. But again, I'll go back to this. Like wide receivers, that experience that they get, they get better. And they're, they're being physically compromised is less, there's less chance of that than with a running back. And while Saquon might be an exception, and I'm trying to think of where the Raiders' offensive line was, but like there's so many other elements that are going to benefit a running back. Generally, a running back can't do it on his own. He is dependent on all those other elements. And you could say that about pretty much every position, it, on a, to a certain extent, relies on every other one. But I, but I think a case could be made is that running backs require that as much as anybody. Well, I'm going to show you a graphic that is relatively shocking, and I want you to respond to it. As I was preparing for the show, I was thinking about the franchise tag. The franchise tag, it is the average of the top five highest paid at the position. Now, what you will notice in 2017 versus 2023, the franchise tag for quarterbacks has increased by $11 million, for receivers by $4 million, for tight ends by $2 million, essentially all skill positions on offense. But for running backs, it has decreased 
It has gone down by $2 million, meaning the average of the top five highest paid at the position, while we have seen $4 million, $2 million, and $11 million increases, we have seen a $2 million decrease at the running back position. How can that turn around? I don't think it's not. I don't think it's ever going to turn around. It, it won't. And, and just based on how the league is moving, obviously the quarterback is the creme, creme de la creme. Like they're the ones that are going to get paid and be the highest paid players. Tight ends now are, be, are now more dynamic. They are an integral part of the offense. So you're getting more guys who are they're just not putting their hand in dirt and blocking. They're going out and lining up outside wide. And then you have teams that are going running back by committee. Sure, you may have a star back, but there's also someone else there who is capable. Let's take this guy out. Let's put him on first and second down. Let's put someone else on third down. Maybe we'll go 20 personnel. That's two running backs. Put them inside. Have one go play receiver, one go in the back and pass protect. So running back by committee. And then we can, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. That's who's, that's right. who's doing running back by committee. And we can blame them because their running back was a late round pick who ended up, you know, being productive for them. But I think you could also blame Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott. Those are two running backs who got paid. How much of a difference did it make for their respective teams? Teams are going to invest, again, are going to invest in the parts of the pieces that get them closer to winning. And you could have a great running back and you could pay him and but ultimately, does it result in more wins? And that's than my losses? point. They had representation that was able to make a case, make an argument, and convince those franchises to pay them. But not just that, they, they had representation, but at least they also had ground to stand on because there weren't as many egregious errors. The Cowboys roster was completely flip turned upside down all of last season because their fourth round pick, Tony Pollard, only making, I believe, $800,000, was making less than Zeke was making in one game. Like, Tony Pollard's whole season was, I believe, less money than Zeke was making every six quarters. Right. And Zeke was not half the player that Tony Pollard was. So now after the Cowboys, you're saying to yourself, Tony, we're franchise tagging you. Right. And don't even fix your lips to ask for more money because we've already made this mistake before. It's, it's fascinating. I agree with Will. I don't know that it will change anytime soon because there are running backs by committee. And speaking of running backs by committee, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, running backs for the Philadelphia Eagles. Name some of them they acquired this offseason. But did the Eagles lose too many stars to survive another grueling season and make it back to the Super Bowl? Can the Eagles run it back, or did their roster take far too much damage? That is next on Speak. That might have been one of the best segues I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> What's up, family? Let's check in on our social life together, shall we? LeBron James said it's official. 23 is back. He is switching from number six to number 23. Now, he previously wore number six, but chose to switch out of respect to NBA legend Bill Russell. Why are you, why are you grinning? Can I, hold on, you know, you know what's, <laughs> so he said. You know, you know what's annoying? So he said. You know what's annoying? What? Is, what's annoying? Is last year, I, I went to the store with our son, Ryder, to buy him a, a LeBron jersey. He's a big LeBron fan. And I was like, wait, is he 23 or 16? He's six. Okay, so I got him a number six jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what I got to do after this? <laughs> Guess what I have to do after this? Ryder, yes, I will get you a 23 jersey yeah. when I leave here. I think by accident. That's part of the whole plan. He's trying to get two jerseys. Got to get those jersey sales jersey back in the up there. And he wants two numbers up in the rafters a la Kobe. There's always, <laughs> look, whatever LeBron says the reason is, that ain't the reason. <laughs> ain't there may the be reason. very good reasons, 
But that ain't it. Remind me and remind America, LeBron wanted to switch, or it may have been AD, who wanted to switch from like 3 to 23 or 6 to 23 initially. But I believe it was Nike who was like, nah, we've already printed too many jerseys in this number. You cannot switch. This happened maybe two years ago, if you remember. I, I can't remember the exact details, but it's also the timing of when he was asking to do it was was a little late in the game and whether it was because the nba was protecting nike their mm-hmm. their business partner or whether it was simply the machinations of having to change a new a uniform number although that said that sounds like a kind of a weak excuse because guys get traded all the time right and they they have to change numbers in the midseason and they find a way to get it done yes lebron's number six to wait due to nike issue okay let me ask you this slick when you think of lebron is he 23 or six Here oh that's a good question. That's a good question. I'd probably go 23, just because his, his yeah. high school, it's, it's, Cleveland. It's he a was, rather yeah, short period yeah. of time in which he went to the, to the, to the number six. In fact, when he went but to the number six, was six. Like, Miami was six, correct? Miami was six. Yes. And that's where he really... Yeah. That was villain Braun. <laughs> that was the trick. I, I, guess, I guess the height of LeBron for me is when he went back to Cleveland. And he wore, when he went back to Cleveland, he he wore 23 then. But what about the fact of when he was in Miami, because he goes, he wins MVP in 9-10, 10-11. D. Rose, I think, wins in 11-12. Then he wins in 12-13, 13-14. That really was, I guess, two Cleveland, it's two, three, two Miami. Yeah, like you said, I had issues buying the jersey last year because I was like, is he six? Because I knew 23. Wait, I don't want to get 23 and he's six. Well, now he's 23 it's again. Sort of like the, <laughs> That's crazy. Sort of bro. like the black spider. Hey, pick a jersey, right? LeBron. <laughs> Send me some tequila, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back to the NFL. Eagles are coming off a Super Bowl appearance, but they had a lot of changes this offseason. They lost 10 sack Javon Hargrave. They lost running back pro bowler Miles Sanders. They lost both of their coordinators, Shane Steichen. They lost him. They lose Jonathan Gannon to the Cardinals. But... FoxSports.com wrote, none of the losses should be crippling to their Super Bowl dreams. Well, Blackman, you won a Super Bowl. You're wearing the ring. You know what it takes to get one of those rings. Do you think the Eagles' offseason losses hurt their Super Bowl chances? Well, the beauty of them getting to the Super Bowl is that they drafted well, right? So they're able to get these guys, you know, get them competitive and to help. But however, you look at this list, Pro Bowl, starter, 17 games, Offense coordinator, defense coordinator, starter, interception leader, starter. Like they, they, they all departed. They all departed. Like mm-hmm. that is that is hard to replace, especially like signal callers. Like these two guys, they were they were lights out staking again, and they were lights out last year for this team. That's going to be really really challenging. So, in terms of them. Like getting back to the Super Bowl. First of all, there is no guarantee. I went to the Super Bowl in 2011. Finished in 17, <laughs> didn't even sniff it. From some of my favorite players, never even gotten, gotten back to Super Bowl. Mm. And obviously, every other team has gotten better. So there's no guarantee. Can they get back? Maybe because they have the quarterback. You know, I'm a big believer in Jalen Hurts. So no guarantee, but it's going to be extremely difficult to replicate that with the new acquisitions. Speaking of quarterbacks, 49ers, if they have Brock Purdy, to me, they are in the way of the Philadelphia what? Eagles in a way that they weren't previously. Because I believe for all the losses that the Eagles have suffered, 
Yes, they lost uh, D'Amico Ryans as their defensive coordinator, but there's people who believe, like Steve Wilkes. He's good. Ooh. Right. He, good. As good, maybe better, Ooh. potentially, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. He's, maybe. He's a good coordinator. Good coordinator. Let's leave it there. Okay. No, no, no D'Amico right. slander on this. I'm just, <laughs> former teammate. No, no D'Amico yeah, Based on what I've heard from, you know. No, hear from, anyway. Hear from other places. Like, okay. All right. from other places. Oh, all right. I, don't like, I don't like where you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> here elsewhere. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Based on what I heard. Here, I'll use the other ear. Take this IFB out. And start listening with this ear, because that ear malfunctioning, okay? Somebody's saying somebody better than D'Amico Ryan. All right. It's not the same loss as the de- losing the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Fair? Fair. Right? And so <laughs> whatever level of loss you think that might be, the Adjavon Hargrave literally takes yes. one big piece from the Eagles yeah, and add it yeah. to something that they were already incredibly good. Debo Samuel says... I had a down year. Yeah, I'm not going to have back. another down year. You get Christian McCaffrey for a full year. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I get the sense like people are sleeping on the 49ers all because of the, is Brock Purdy going to be there? And maybe, maybe it's because there's still some doubt as to what he's capable of being. But that's the only reason that I could say going into the season, in spite of what the Eagles did last year, that I would not have the 49ers as the favorite in the national. Yeah, I won't insult so many great former Eagles by saying the Eagles won't miss a beat. Like, that's incredibly insulting to Javon Hargrave and his 10 sacks at defensive tackle, to Miles Sanders and his plus 1,000 rushing yards, to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who had the most interceptions per game of any safety in the National Football League, to T.J. Edwards and Kazir White, T.J. Edwards, who was a beast for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, that's very insulting to just assume the Eagles are just going to replace all of those guys with either rookies or young players. But the NFC is also taking a step back. Aaron Rodgers being gone, I believe that takes a step back. A lot of rookie quarterbacks, well, at least Bryce Young with the Panthers, Tom Brady retiring. I do believe the NFC is also taking a step back. So for that reason, though I don't think the Eagles are moving a step forward, I don't know that the entirety of the field outside of the Niners and the Dallas Cowboys have caught up to them just yet. Well, coming up, you won't necessarily believe what DK Metcalf wore to Tyler Lockett's wedding. Yeah, have some fun when we show you all this one. That is next. Speak. Having fun on this one. Okay, I'm, I'm very curious on y'all's opinion of this. Tyler Lockett, Seahawks wide receiver, my friend. He got married. You see him post a picture with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. But DK rocking the shorts, Will, and the, and the crew whites. Uh, is wearing shorts to somebody's wedding inbounds, out of bounds? How you feel? Was he in it? Was he in the wedding? Ooh. Was he a guest? Uh, yeah, or, or uh, he wasn't a guest. No, in it. Was he one of the It's the summer. Groups? It's the summer, and it's, and it's DK. <laughs> it's like, come on now. DK is different. So that's it's inbounds. Shorts for wedding. Yeah, yeah he's, he, he got a half tux on. He's good. Inbounds. Inbounds, out of bounds. Hell no. What you mean? Look, I, I, I'm, I'm less with the, sh- the shorts are okay. Come on, man. With the white socks with and the, the Air Forces? Yeah, we're going to Air Force kicks. Come on, man. He's we trying can, to get the stomping in this Air Force One. We can do something there. There's- Maybe he's saving his feet for training camp. You know, you ain't trying to wear shoes. You want to, you know. All right, I'm going to somebody's wedding, and I'm worried about what? I'm worried about training camp? Come on, man. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, be comfortable. 
You know, you got to be out there on the dance floor. You got to be cha-cha sliding. Like you got to be electric sliding. One say, time, real, I, you know what I'm saying? You know what? I, I don't want to give away too much about how this show works and some of the things that I've seen around here, but it does not surprise me that you're I down with it. It doesn't mean that it's Or maybe, I don't wear that. Maybe his set. pants didn't fit properly. He was like, I'm going to rock these shorts. Honestly, it doesn't really matter what we think, but it's Tyler Lockett. Tyler's just happy his homeboy's there, man. Shout out to you, Tyler Lockett. Congrats. That looks like a forced smile. What are you talking about?